Hello and welcome into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and we're joined by my co-host, Alex Winton. And we got a really good show coming in today. We're going to talk mostly about uh, finishing up our conversation on the Summer League from last week, uh, get into our rotation predictions post-Summer League, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about what Jaron has looked like in some of his off-season workouts as we have gotten more videos of that. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and then talk about what we think he's going to be doing like this summer and then especially going into FIBA. But got to start with Summer League. And all in all, for summer, I'd say Summer League was a success for the Grizzlies. Uh, like I said, going into it, it's not always about wins and losses. And I know they ended up being 2-3 and three overall. I really say they were 2-2 two and two because nobody played in that last game. So they, they were basically 2-2. Two and two. Uh, So you know, not the greatest results, you know, wise, but when you look at the players that needed to play well, they all, at least, like I said last week, showed flashes, and then I really feel like both Jake LaRavia and Kenneth Lofton Jr., like those last, like, two or three summer league games that they really played, it gave me a lot of, like, confidence in both of them, that both of them are good enough to get NBA rotation minutes. Now, obviously, the Grizzlies are not going to need them to be you know, main players and stuff like that, like they were for the summer league team. Like that's, that's just not a need for the Grizzlies right now. But when I saw Jake in those situations, when he was more catch and shoot, I thought he did pretty well. Uh, And I thought he did better on defense too. I think that was something uh, that was really important for him. I thought he did better on defense just the entire summer league. He looked more aggressive, a little bit more explosive. Uh, I'm not going to say that he's going to be like the starting small forward or something anytime soon, but if you're talking about just a guy who can come off the bench and hit threes, I think he showed that he has the ability to do it. Like I said, it's still just going to come down to consistency from him. Uh, I, ha- I have no doubt that he can make open threes. It's just going to be how often he does it. Uh, and then for Kenneth Lofton Jr., I mean, b- both of them averaged um, uh, 18 points per game. Uh, and then Lofton, I think really his efficiency is what stood out to me because he was shooting 51% from the field and he shot – 46%. I had to I had to look it up because I thought it, I thought they were lying. Like I knew that he he did good from 3. Like it felt like he did good, but when I saw he was 46% from 3, like now I'm not saying he's going to do that in the NBA cuz that would make him one of the best shooters in the NBA. I don't think he's that level, but if you've got a guy that can score inside, can score in the mid-range and can shoot the 3 that well, you know, or even if it's only 38, 39%, I think he warrants to get some minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was some, some really takeaways. We'll get into more guys going forward, but I wanted to just get what your first takeaways from it were as well. Yeah, um, I think for me, those are probably the two guys that stand out the most, obviously from the summer league, uh, Jake and, and, and Kenny. I think, obviously, I'm more – I want to say I'm not interested in Kenny, what he does, but Jake obviously is at a position where that's more of a need and a question mark. So everything that he kind of does along with Roddy and Vince Williams and all those guys, I'm looking more under a microscope because they're probably going to be those guys that are going to take, they're going to have to be put in that position or have that opportunity to get those minutes. Uh, So like with Jake to start, I mean, again, the really main thing from last summer league to this one is aggressiveness. Last year, he would only look to score or shoot the ball maybe like two or three times a game. Like, there was times he's passing up these shots. The same shots he had, he took this summer league, he would pass them up the last summer league. 
And I mean, he even said that he was talking about like my aggression is better this year. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not really overthinking it. Like I'm taking these shots with confidence. And again, like that shows like he took the most shots on the team. Like I'm looking at right now, he averaged 14 shots a night and he wasn't efficient with it, but I'm not really mad about efficiency. Now that's not to say I don't care about efficiency. I would like to see efficiency, but I'm not going to go crazy about it when I see the context of it, when I watch it. Like I like all the looks he got. And I'm pretty sure, you know, again, I think in a better situation, he'll knock those down. Because even last year, I think he was at least like 33, 34% in the games he played from three. So I'm not too worried about it. Like, I, I think he'll get those same looks, obviously, with better talent. Um, and again, like you said, defensively, he was pretty solid for the most part. Um, there, obviously, there's some stuff, some finishing struggles, but there was times that he showed he could finish at the rim. And again, that would get better, I think, obviously, as he gets more reps and stuff and obviously gets stronger. So, you know, I was very pleased with what I saw from Jake. Again, like, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be starting. Obviously, I don't know all that, but I think he'll warrant some rotation minutes at least or some looks like he did last last year. Hopefully, it's just more so about him staying healthy and keeping those minutes because uh, last year he got hurt and then that basically put him behind the eight ball for ever getting back into rotation. Um, that's part of the reason why Roddy stayed in it. Um, as for Kenny, um, yeah, he was efficient this uh, summer league, which I wasn't really – too surprised by obviously this like I said last episode or episode before this is his setting so I'm not really surprised by what he was doing I think more so the surprise came from the three points attempts like the not the attempts but really percentage so basically like he was at 46 47 percent like you were talking about um and it wasn't a lot of attempts I think it was on three it's a 3.8 basically four attempts a game and he made like two but that's still decent enough clip that's awesome yeah, yeah. I mean yeah for, especially enough. for the minutes that they would be looking at him to play, like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that out of the ordinary for him to take. I think he could probably get two or three attempts a game, even if he only plays, you know, you know, twelve minutes or however much they would let him play. So now I, I just thought I thought it was a positive because I think that was the main thing that I noticed that was better than last summer league was the jumper from the outside like the the mid-range I think was always there like he had a mid-range last year and not to say that he didn't make any threes last year you know he made some threes but it really felt like that was something and he also said it in one of the post games that you know he's working on getting better at everything obviously like all these players are trying to get better all around but that he did have an emphasis on being able to shoot because I mean obviously when you look at today's NBA that's the best way to get on the court is be able to be a catch and shoot threat. If you're a catch and shoot threat, you you can stay in the league forever. Like at this point, so I think that's something that he really worked on, and I think it showed up. It showed up in the summer league. Like there's no question about that. Yeah, I think, um, and that's the thing with this team. Like if you can shoot the ball, you're gonna get minutes. Usually, like that's part of it. Like usually, don't play anybody that can't that that can't shoot. Like usually, if you can shoot, they're gonna play you. Not if you're of stature. Like. I think that usually they don't play anybody that can't, you know, like if you can shoot, you're going to get, have an opportunity. And that's the thing. He said he's worked on the shooting. Like our big spot has a couple guys that are non-shooters like him. I'm not saying Loft is a non-shooter, but just off of history, they haven't shot the ball well. Him, X, BC. But if one of those guys can shoot, they're probably going to give them more leeway, or not more leeway, more opportunity to play. Because like you said, especially in today's NBA, I mean, even J.J. Redick, I think you talked about it. Like you can't be somebody they could just ignore. Like, it's going to be very hard to play if you're just a guy that can just be ignored on the floor, especially when it comes to the postseason, which is mainly what, you know, the emphasis is all this is about that climbing has made is how can we be good in postseason basketball. So, um, again, if Loft is going to shoot like this, obviously, I think that warrants obviously minutes. And I think, obviously, the defense, too, if he can be 
um, decent on that end. And I think really, again, that would be more so of a Jenkins thing. I think his minutes, if he can play him with Jaron, I think that's the best way where you really see him uh, shine in those in those opportunities. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he was solid, obviously. Um, again, they played through him most of the time. Like him and Jake were like the main two guys. They played through a lot of the time uh, the summer league. So, I mean, they played pretty well. Um, I, I, really, I really don't have too many complaints about how they played. Like I didn't see, like again, I've said before, I didn't see anything that I was really worried about. Like, oh man, they did this wrong, or like, man, I'm really concerned. Like, I wasn't, like, you know what I mean? Like, because I also think like they're going to be with better players. Like, no disrespect to the players they had on the team, but like they're going to be with John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain. You know what I mean? Marcus Smart. Like they're going to be with guys, like actual rotation, all you know, all star level guys. So I think that's going to be a big difference too. So yeah. Yeah, and then I think, like we talked about, like Jake wasn't super efficient. I think that would really be the main thing that I would that would make me a little worried going into the season is that he wasn't efficient just overall. You know, he had a couple bad shooting games, and I do think his scoring average got inflated a little bit because he got to the free throw line a lot. Like, not to say that, you know, he shouldn't be trying to get to the free throw line. It shows that he was more aggressive, but it's going to be how much of that is going to work in the NBA, like you said, against better players. Are you going to be able to get to the free throw line as much as he was? And now when he got there, he made his free throws, which is something the Grizzlies also needed somebody that can knock down free throws. So, you know, that's still a good, a good sign in that way. But I think that would be the only my, – my only takeaway that would be negative would be, you know, his efficiency. And then are there going to be as many scoring opportunities or opportunities for him to get to the free throw line in regular NBA games like he got in the summer league? Uh, but I did want to move on to some of the other players, too, because uh, I got to talk about David Roddy as well. Uh, he really struggled in like his his shooting, like three point shooting a lot. Uh, he only shot, I think, like 16, 17 percent from three. And yes. he just had like, yeah, he, he has some struggles from beyond the arc. And I think that was the main thing that would be a disappointment just because in Salt Lake City, it looked like he was shooting the ball very, very well. And then it kind of just fell off when he when they got to Las Vegas. But on the other hand, I did think that he looked better and more comfortable with the ball in his hand. And I think uh, he, he talked about in one of the postgame press conferences, too, is that he's working on, you know, once he gets to the paint, slowing down and making good decisions, you know, not just running into people and trying to, like, run people over as much and also trying to find his teammates a lot more. And I think that's something that I did notice is I thought he did better as a passer. I know he had at least one game where he had six assists uh, and a couple. He, he, he had assists in every game and had some really nice passes. So I think that was something that was definitely a positive in terms of David Roddy, uh, even though he didn't shoot the ball well. And then, like I said, he didn't shoot the ball well. He only shot, you know, 17 percent from three. But he was still like 50, like uh, 46, 47 percent from the floor overall. So that means on all the other shots, you know, he was pretty good on the other shots. On the non-three-point attempts, he was pretty efficient. And I think that is a positive thing because, you know, obviously he's going to have to be able to make some threes. But having a guy that you can throw the ball to and he can drive and kind of use his strength on the interior to get some easy buckets, I think that can help him too. And like I said, he's going to be in a bench role. They're not going to be asking him to do as much as he was doing in summer league. Uh, it really felt like he was kind of like one of the leaders of the summer league team, really like him and Lofton were the guys that are really supposed to be leading the team along with LaRavia, you know, like all the second year guys, basically. So 
going to be a lot different of a role for him. But like I said, he's, he's going to get some open threes. And I feel like after last season, you know, he we know he's a better shooter than he is than he was in the summer league. Uh, he's streaky, but there's going to be some streaks where he's way better than that. And his shooting was basically probably as bad as it is ever going to be. And all, besides that, like he still was making positive impacts on all those games on defense. Uh, and I think that's really the biggest thing is like he, he's going to be a really good defender. And he gives the Grizzlies a little bit more, you know, just another option of somebody who can get their own, create their own shot, you know, get to the rim and do a lot of that, which is, I think that's something that they struggled with in the playoffs last year. So all in all, you know, there were some struggles for Roddy. Uh, He's going to be in a big battle coming into training camp. Like all these guys are going to be in a big battle for minutes coming into training camp. Uh, so I think that would be the only thing, you know, uh, I, I'm a little bit worried about it and maybe a little bit lower on him than I was coming into summer league, but it's not to say that he's not going to play. I still think he's going to play. I still think he's going to get minutes and I still think he can be better overall than he was this summer. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't say I'm lower on him, but I, I think I kind of expect the more I had him at anyway is kind of where I had him. To be like you know, even at like before the summer league, I still have him at the same place, which was like rotation guy. I felt like for me personally, Jake, and obviously we'll talk or you know, was Zaire he didn't play, but like those guys, I feel like have more of a chance to be at the starting wing position just because based off their size and what they offer as upside. But I think Roddy alone still is going to probably play anyway, just off the simple fact, like you said, even though he wasn't making shots, he was still impacting the game in a lot of different ways. Um, because I think what he still averaged for 14, and then I think he shot 48% from the field. So he's still scoring outside of the three. But obviously for this team, if you're going to play, you need to be able to hit three. So that's just what it is. And he's very streaky. Like he was streaky last year. Like he had stretches where he shot the ball like from 20, I think like 20% from three. And there were a couple of stretches he shot 35. I mean, I kind of how it wasn't for him in college too, in a sense. Like he would have like I think his first couple years he shot the ball average, but then that last year in college, he shot like 40% from three. So he might be a streaky guy or he might be a league average guy. You're hoping that it's more of a league average thing than a streaky guy. Uh, but, again, that still takes time, obviously, because, um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to see him shoot 17% from three on the actual season because even in his bastards last year, you know, he shot, I think, ended up shooting like 30% from three, which is not great, but it's not 17%. You know what I mean? That's a drastic big difference. Um, so, yeah, no, he was pretty solid in a lot of areas, I think, him getting to the rim was encouraging, but he still has to be better finishing there. I think, obviously, I think he's still learning how to use his body when he gets to the rim uh, because, again, he's not the most athletic guy, like the quickest or most explosive guy. So to be comp- to compensate for that, kind of like how – I'm not saying how Bane does it, but basically when you're bigger and stronger like that, you got to be able to use your body better, have better body control, and be able to you know finish through contact and things like that. So I think he's still trying to adjust to that. But obviously you'll, you'll take that. Like you said, he's one of the leaders of the – summer league team he obviously played well you know like he did the high iq little stuff which is what you need anyway if you're not gonna hit shots you still need to be able to impact in the game like that's we had those guys like you can't be a guy that's out there not impacting the game in other ways or can't like you can't impact the game in other ways if you're not shooting the ball then it's gonna be hard for you to play like it's gonna be hard so um i'm encouraged by that um you know i think again like it's probably was he wouldn't like the summer league obviously for shooting you know Overall, like he's probably thinking to himself, like, man, I, I could have shot the ball way better. But it's kind of like, you know, it is what it is. Like the looks weren't bad. Like, you know, a lot of them were. 
I mean, of course, obviously, some of them were like off the dribble and stuff like that. But again, I think they wanted him to take those looks anyway because this is summer league. So they want him to get, you know, have those reps and confidence. They did the same thing with Jake, obviously, Lofton, too. They want those guys to take those shots because, you know, they might not get those, even though those opportunities will be limited in the summer or in the regular season, they might get those chances in the, in the, in the regular season to have that type of shot. And so you need these reps now. So when you do get there, even if it's in a limited setting or a lower usage, you'll be fine. So, yeah, I'm not really too disappointed with Roddy's summer league, if at all. Like, maybe I expected more, but I'm not, like, drastically, like, oh, man, he just played all the way bad. Because it's not like he was bad the whole time. Like, I mean, even though Utah was part of the other summer league, he was good in that first game, like, really good offensively. Then there was a couple games where he still had flashes of being solid. Like, again, like, he would shoot the ball well, but he still shot 40%. That still basically was really solid. So, yeah, I'm not really too discouraged by David Roddy summer league. You know, I expect him to be better, obviously, again, with better players. Again, I think that makes a lot of difference. A lot of these guys, I'm looking at them in the context of how they're fitting next to the main guys. And, I mean, I think he'll still fit fine. It's just still going to come down to the main thing, which is shooting the ball, because that's what they need. They need more shooting. So, to, to assure their offense in half court and just in general. So, yeah, um, that's really the big thing. But I wasn't really too discouraged with what Roddy did. So, you know, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and I'm actually glad you mentioned the shooting part because I did want to talk a little bit about Vince Williams Jr. too. I really feel like, especially in those Utah games, I mean, he was shooting over 50% from three in those Utah games, and he really just showed that if he gets open looks, he's going to be able to knock them down. And I think that's something that's not going to change whether he's playing in the NBA, the G League, or the Summer League. Like, I think that was the big thing is if he gets open looks, he's going to be able to knock them down. So... Like that was the number one thing that I saw that was really a positive. Uh, and I really think that on defense, it was really it wasn't even just like his one-on-one defense, but like his help defense, his hustle, getting out for loose balls, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it really feel like it felt like when he was on the court, the team kind of just bought into defense a lot more. And it wasn't like just him, it was everybody else, you know, and everybody else kind of fed off of what he did, kind of like what a guy like Tony Allen would do or a guy like DeAnthony Melton did, which I've seen a lot of people talk about him being basically tall DeAnthony Melton, you know, taller DeAnthony Melton. And I could really see that. And I think, I mean, when you look at the way that he's really good in the passing lanes, he's good, like one-on-one defense, uh, and then just getting out in transition, open threes. I think that he he's probably not going to be in the rotation this year because we're, we're going to get into that. But he's a guy that if there's some guys that go down or whatever, I think like I, I would not be worried if he has to come in and get minutes at all because I think that's that's really going to be his role. I think like him and like Conchar and some of those guys, that's going to be kind of their role. Whereas if everybody's healthy, they're not going to be playing. But I think we're going to see a lot more Vince Williams Jr. this year than we did last season. And I think he proved in the summer league, especially like I said, especially in Utah, that he's got a chance to be at least a rotation player down the line. Now, like I said, it might not be this year, but he he has that ability. Uh, And I think that you know, if he does get an opportunity to show that this year at any time, I think that it, it, I think that he'll prove, you know, on, on a bigger stage, I think he'll be able to prove it as well. So I know that he had like kind of a tough into last year because he shot the ball really well, like really badly in that last game. Uh, but it was really good to kind of see him bounce back and just have a lot of confidence 
uh, in the games that he did play. I know he did get hurt and he missed a couple games, and I think that did throw off his summer league a lot. But I'm I'm mostly talking about what I saw before he got hurt, and then even after he got hurt, he was still playing awesome on defense in those in that last game when he came back. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because I'm looking at it now. Like he his, he only played two games in in uh, Vegas and only played like an average 18 minutes. Like his numbers weren't great. Like you said, he was still defending. Like you said, a lot of the stuff that we we're talking about more so is or, uh, Utah. And I mean, he was pretty solid. Again, like you said, like him being able to hit shots and then being able to guard, like that's going to get you a role and a look, um, especially in a a team that needs that role, especially at the wing. So I think that's kind of the thing. Um, you know, I I don't know what they're going to do with Vince. I, I, like you said, I hope like I would like I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, they try to. I'm not going to say go. Because they still got a roster crunch, but like let's say they try to, for, you know, move some guys or cut some guys in, and they sign him. Like I wouldn't be surprised by that at all, just to do it now, or they might wait. But but I do think, like you said, he'll get more opportunity because I think again they're going to have rest days, even though the new CBA says something about you know all the games played and how that goes to the awards. Even then, they're still going to have some rest days. It might not be as many, but they'll still have some rest days. So there will be guys that will have opportunity to play. He will be one of those guys to play. Or we'll just have an injury because that's just going to happen. Like, no, like I hope we're healthy 90% or 95% of the time, but that just is not realistic. So, um, yeah, so he'll probably have some opportunity to play. And, again, if he's hitting shots like this and defending like this, I mean, he, he deserves to play. Like, that wings that can knock down threes and guard multiple positions are premium. Like, you need them. So, every team is looking for him. So, Including us. So, you know, if you got one, they're going to try to find minutes for them. It's just that's just what it is. So, I mean, I was pretty pleased with Vince Williams Summer League. Um, you know, he was he, again, like you said, a lot of it. I think the injury kind of messed him up and in terms of offensively, at least for me, like at least in Vegas, he didn't seem like the same shot maker. But I wasn't too concerned because, again, like the, I don't know what the I forgot what the injury was for real. But I mean, they I never really I, they never really yeah, came out and said, said officially what it was. So. Yeah, they never really said it, but like you know, but again, it, it it had to be some type of you know any type of injury can throw off your rhythm, especially when you're playing this many games in this short amount of time. One or two days off can throw your whole rhythm off. So I'm not really surprised that it did. Uh, but like you said, you're still defending, and so that's still an encouraging sign. So yeah, no, Vince Williams, I probably say was probably the most the biggest surprise of it because when you especially in Utah, he was knocking down shots like at a high clip. And I, I, he was shooting, shooting the ball like this even in uh, the G League last year, I think, to some extent. But even then, like, we didn't – not everybody got to see the G League games. So, like, n- not a lot of people knew about that. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I think Vince Williams had a good um, summer league. And, um, again, I think he has opportunity to play. We'll see how it works. But, you know, I would not be surprised if they get him on a Conchar-type deal down the line where it's like a three- or four-year three or four-year deal. And it ends up looking like a solid deal for a player that, you know, of his skill set, what they can offer. So, you know, he was, he's pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like we've talked about it a little bit, but I did want to go ahead and get kind of into what our next topic is going to be. And that is our rotation predictions for next season, kind of post-summer league. So I will say, like I said, coming into the summer league, the biggest question was going to be who all was going to be playing at the wing position. Uh, and also, what are they going to do with the Joss suspension? You know, how are they going to navigate that? So I'll start at the beginning of the season. 
because, you know, Jaw's not going to be there for, as of now, 25 games. We'll see if that changes at all. We know there's probably going to be an appeal coming up, and, you know, who knows exactly what's going to happen. But let's keep it right now, 25 games. And for me, obviously, I th- they're going to start Marcus Smart at point guard. I think that's, like, the number one uh, thing. We know Jaron and Steven Adams are going to be power forward and center, and we know Desmond Bain is going to be in the starting lineup. The real question for me is, are they going to play Desmond Bain at the three and, you know, bring in, you know, and play like a Luke Kennard at shooting guard? Or are they going to let Desmond Bain, you know, continue to play his traditional two guard spot and then let one of the young guys, whether that's like Zaire Williams, I'd say Zaire Williams is probably going to be, if they decide to start a young guy at the three, it would probably be Zaire just because he's done it before. Uh, you know, maybe there's a chance for a guy like Roddy or Laravia, but I think if it's any of them, it will probably be Zaire. But for me, I think that to start the season, I would not be mad at them going with that a little bit smaller lineup, like I said, with, you know, Ja, Kennard, Bain, and really focus on the spacing. Uh, obviously, there's going to be times where, you know, Bain is going to be a little bit undersized on defense for some wing players, but. I still, you know, he's he's still a good defender. Um, there's some things he can't physically do because of, you know wingspan issues and stuff like that. But it's I don't I don't think he's just gonna go out there and get killed if he plays small forwards. You know, I don't think just whoever we're playing against every night is just gonna have 30 on him or something. Like I don't think it's that big of a drop off. And then when you look on the other side, having the added spacing of both Kennard and Bain on the floor at the same time. We saw how awesome that was, especially in the postseason, playing both of them together. So uh, especially when you have a guy like Marcus Smart, who on any given night is probably going to be taking the best offensive threat on the other team, whether they're a guard or a forward. So that means that if, if you know, if you're playing a, a better small forward, maybe you slide Marcus Smart to him and then you let this one bang guard somebody else. So I think there's a lot of stuff you can do in that. And I think just the added spacing on the other end and the fact that you would still have two defensive player of the years on the court, you know, because even if you do like, you know, if Kennard gets blown by, you know, he's running into Jaron and he's running into even Steven Adams, who when he was healthy last year was a really good defender too. So I think that's probably the lineup they go with to start. And I want to be surprised if they keep going with a smaller lineup with just Jaron and Steven Adams on the interior. Cause it's so, it's kind of weird to say it's a smaller lineup. Cause it really doesn't feel like a smaller lineup in the front court just because so many teams don't do the two big man thing anymore. So it's like, I, I feel like you like kind of compensate for being smaller in the backcourt with being, you know, bigger power forward, bigger center and stuff like that. So that's, that's the way that I would kind of look at it. And I think, you know, Desmond Bain played was playing the three, a good amount of time last year. I don't know exactly what the percentages are, but there's a lot of times where he would slide over to the three. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start him at that. And then the good thing is if it doesn't work out early in the season, they can at least know that going forward. And then they can start a guy like Zaire or Roddy or LaRavia or somebody if they really feel like it's that big of a difference. But I don't think it will be. I think that they'll be fine starting those guys to start the season. Yeah, um, I think obviously with the starting lineup, it's. I mean, I think Bain and Jaren are obviously the guarantees. I think Smart is too pre-Jaw suspension. 
I would say Adams is not because Adams is not good, but I only worry because of how Zach Kleiman has said his injury. We hope to have Steven Adams back by the beginning of the season. That mm-hmm. kind of concerns me a little bit because it's like hope. Like, I, I think – shout out to Rob Fisher. I think he says this. We, we, we got a lot of hope going on. We hope guys do this hope. So they, they hope that Steven Adams help me. I hope that he is too. So if not, it will be X. Either way, Adams or X, that's at the center. Jaron, obviously Bain, and then Smart. The wing spot, like you said, is the trickiest part. Because they might go Luke, and they might be like, okay, we saw the shooting last year with those two. Because based on the numbers, especially in the regular season, that first, those last, like, 20, 25 games, when Jer- when Bain and Luke were on the court as a wing duo, guard duo, however you want to say it, uh, on the court, they were blitzing teams, like, bad, very bad. Like, I remember reading something about it. Like, they were doing that very, like, blitzing teams. And I get it. Those type of shooters on the court with John Morant and usually Jaron Jackson or somebody like that, creates a lot of space, you know, your offense flows a lot better. So they might opt for that uh, with Bain a little bit on the wing. Because since, I mean, you know, Bain is, what, 6'5", 6'6". They say he's 6'6", he's probably more 6'5". But even when, you know, they might do that. I definitely could also see them do the Santi thing, right? Like last year, like they put Santi in the starting lineup as a second-year guy. I could definitely see them put Jake in the starting lineup. Or like you said, Zaire in the starting lineup. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Um, like the first 25, and then if it doesn't work, like you said, they probably go away from it. But I wouldn't be surprised about it. I honestly think that's what they might do. Not because that because they might say, hey, we like uh, Luke better off in this uh, bench role, which is not bad. Because again, I think, you know, you don't want, you know, they could be like, oh, well, he probably, we want to use his scoring off the bench or have some type of bench production. So they might go that and opt for a guy that's more of a connector in the starting lineup, like a Zaire that we've seen before. Or a guy like Jake, if he's showing that he can he can hit shots at six seven and then be a connector um, offensively and then be decently you know defensively, like I think he could get the nod. Um, and then that way they then they might move you know them back out of the start lineup when Jai gets back. Who knows? But yeah, I can see that uh, go happen at least for the starting five. Um, so you know I think they got a lot of options. I think that's the thing. Like they're like you said, like they're undersized on the wing if they go loop. Um, in, in Bane or they go Bane and Smart at the wing at one point. Who knows? Like, I'm just saying, like, if that's, you know, post job. But, like, they're banking on the comp, like, that Jaron and Adams can compensate for that. And just having a guy like Smart who's all NBA defender, they're banking on those guys being, like, top of the line to where you don't really have to worry about their wing, the lack of wing size. So, um, you know, they got a lot of options, which I think that's kind of like what they – keep talking about they they've mentioned it zach mentioned it i think taylor mentioned it like versatility they want versatility and i'm here for it because you need to be able to play different ways and have different options because that's what the playoffs is it's about matchups and if you're a one-dimensional team and you can't adjust on the fly then you're going to probably go home early like that's just what it is like whether that's you being a team that can be a good team in offense or you know or transition on offense and in a half court or defensively can you switch or, you know, can you do all this other stuff? Can you play big? Like, you have to be able to be versatile. So, you know, I think they got a lot of options. Uh, I would lean probably they start a young guy like they did with Santi. Uh, if those guys show the same improvement that they showed in Summer League. Uh, but they could go with Luke. You know, I think those are two good options. So, I'm not really going to be mad at either one, especially before the, you know, the gets back. Like, you're going to be trying stuff in those first 25 games anyway. Like, they did that last year. So, 
you know, the rotation that was in, in games one through 10 wasn't the same rotation in games 70 through 80. So, you know, it's going to be a long season. They're going to try to figure things out on the fly, obviously. Uh, so, you know, and they'll have time to be able to figure out. So, you know, I'm not really going to be, you know, too. Like, either of those options are fine for me. Yeah, and I, I like that you said Santi, too, because there is a possibility that they, you know, try to play him at the three as well. Like, I want to be surprised if they try some of that. I know that it, it, it will be kind of tough maybe for him defensively just because he doesn't really have the foot speed right now. I mean, it, that's probably would be the biggest thing is if he can work on, you know, that lateral quickness and stuff like that. I think that's something that could, you know, help him a lot, and maybe he would become a, a three, you know, in the future. I think there's there's a possibility that he he could become that. But, I mean, right now he's probably still going to be more, you know, backup power forward, backup center. But I think you will see some lineups where, you know, they might go Smart and Bain and then go Santi, Jaron, Adams, or maybe even, you know, Santi, uh, you know, Santi and X in the front court or something like that in bench units. Uh, so I think he like Santi is going to be big for them this year just because I think he's going to have some positional like he's going to be able to go back and forth, play multiple positions. I, I'd say the same for LaRavia. I think LaRavia is going to play a lot more and I think he's probably going to play the three and he's probably going to play the four in some of those small ball lineups. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of that. But I, I think that for the starting five for me, I still think, you know, like I said, it's going to be probably smart Bane, Kennard. Jaron and then Adams and then I think the real thing is going to be uh if they do decide to go with Zaire uh, or somebody to start how early do they bring Luke off the bench and who does he come in for like I think that could be something that could be interesting too so if they do say okay we're going to start Zaire we're going to keep Luke off the bench we're going to bring Luke off the bench but we're going to you know bring Luke in for Marcus Smart, move Desmond Bain over to point guard so you can still get those Bain and Kennard minutes because that's something else that I think they're going to see a lot of is we're going to see some sometimes where Bain is playing point guard a lot more than you did in the last couple of years. I think uh, just because they now like, you know, Marcus Smart is going to do it once Jod gets back to be like a backup point guard. And obviously they have Derrick Rose, who I think he's going to get some minutes too. But I think we're going to see a lot of times, you know, Marcus Smart starts the game. They're going to bring in – they might bring in Kennard if he's not already in the game as a starter. They might bring Kennard in, take Smart out so you can have, you know, Bain and Kennard. Uh, and then, you know, Derrick Rose really be the backup point guard uh, like in a later substitution, kind of what they would do a little bit with Tyus last year where, you know, he wouldn't always come in right when John went out, you know. They might they might bring somebody like Luke off the bench and then just move Bain over and then bring Tyus in later. Like that's kind of some of the stuff they did. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do uh some similar stuff this year. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think Rose obviously does sort of like play a lot in those pre-25. Like so I definitely could see Bain playing those, you know, point guard spots, but I do think they'll probably give him a lot of minutes because I think they do trust Rose to uh be a solid presence there. Cause again, I think with Rose, I think, you know, people look at his last year and be like, his numbers weren't as great as the last two years prior, but people didn't realize like, the, his role wasn't consistent last year, and he even said that before. Like, they were giving the young guys more of a look. So I think now with a more consistent role, at least in the first 25, I think you'll see better production from him. So I definitely could see him take those minutes and they, you know, still have Bain and uh, Kennard on the wings. 
uh, or like you said, Bain at the point or Luke at the point, and if they want to go with a bigger lineup. Like they said, they got a lot of versatility to be able to do it to some extent, uh, especially when you got a guy like uh, Jaron being able to cover up a lot defensively. Obviously, Adams too, but just Jaron, obviously, he's the defense player of the year. You can kind of get away with certain lineups, like smaller lineups or lineups that are not bigger on the wing because it's everybody else is solid defensively. And he's the back line. Like you, you're in, you're in a decent spot. You know what I mean? Like you, like not everybody has a Jaron Jackson Jr. where they can be able to are allowed to do this. So I think that makes a big difference, obviously. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean I'm ready to see it. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not really too worried about the combinations. Like I don't. There's not a lot of combinations that I might not hate in terms of what Jenkins does for real. Now I say that now, but when we get there, I could, I could change my mind. I'm just gonna let y'all know that now. I could see it, and I'd be like, this is not it. But the way I'm thinking right now, it's hard for me to see it. You'd really have to go really some wonky lines for me not to be like, okay, I see the vision. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it'll work out. But, again, like I said, they're going to try probably this stuff. Training camp, preseason, first 25 games, like it's going to be a, a process probably. Or it might not. It might shape out to the point to them, they're like, oh, this – like, this guy clearly should play. Jake clearly should play. Zaire clearly should play. Or Smart and Bain or Luke clearly should start. Like, they might do that. Like, it might play out like that. But, again, it you know, it's to be determined. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm just glad they got some at least decent options uh, to start the season uh, when it comes to, like, their lineups or rotations. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing is whenever Ja does come back, whatever game that is, I, I'm still – I'm still big that they're probably going to go Josh Smart Bain. Like, I still think that's going to be the lineup we see a lot of. Uh, I think you're also going to see some, you know, Ja Bain, Zaire, just because, you know, those three playing together, you know, they started most of the games together on a team to won 56 games, you know. So I think that that's something that they'll be like, you know, we've seen it happen before. Zaire did get hurt, and I think that did that really just derailed his entire second season. The injury just derailed his entire second season. So I'm not ready to say that the guy that we saw in the first year, you know, just doesn't exist anymore uh, because I don't think, you know, I, I don't like he's, he didn't just forget how to play basketball. You know, uh, I think that the injury might've hurt his confidence a little bit, but I think, you know, coming back a hundred percent healthy and all that, uh, I think th- there's a chance that we do see him. And, uh, but I do think, like I said, I think he'll probably start on the bench but if he starts to look like the player that he that he was, you know, his rookie year, I wouldn't be surprised if they do more, you know, Ja Smart or Ja Baines a year lineups as well as Ja Smart Bain. But I think when Ja first comes back, it's going to be a lot of those three together. Uh, just because, like I talk, talked about Marcus Smart, he can basically guard anybody if you have to. If, like if you tell him to guard somebody who's 6'8", 6'9", he's done it before uh, and I know that last year he was injured and it might be, you know, it was a little tough for him at the end of last year, I feel like. But once he got to the playoffs, it really felt like he was still close to that same level of player uh, that he was before the injury. So I think that was big, too. But, yeah, and it will be a similar thing to, like I said, with uh, before, if they decided to play Bain and Kennard together. It does make you a little bit smaller on the wings just because, like I said, Desmond Bain would still basically be the only wing guy out there uh but all in all i do think that i, I do think that they can they can make up for it you know on the other end just 
I, I think they'll make up for it with the extra offense, maybe if they do lose some stuff on defense. But you still have Jaron Jackson Jr. on the interior, like you said. You still have Marcus Smart. It's not like those guys are slouches on defense. So I think I think that that's going to be the lineup they start with, and then we'll see them tweak it from there. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to go. Because again, like I said, it's it's a long season. They say it all the time, but even as and I know it seems like it sometimes it be going by fast, but the NBA season is very long. Like you've said before, it's very. almost yeah, year, year round long to some extent if you count off season. But I'm talking about from a game standpoint, they start in like October, and then they go all the way to most teams to like the summer. So like it's a long season so they're going to try a lot of different things especially early on when uh you have that time to because again we've seen this team be able to start good like last year they started out solid and then the year before they started out nine and ten and won 56 games so like i'm not really too worried about the start so like they're gonna try to experiment some things and they experimented in both of those both of those times they did try to you know try different things with rotations and stuff so you know, I, I'm confident that they'll be able to figure it out. Uh, I don't really have too many doubts about the rotation, at least early on. Uh, you know, I think they got enough solid play. Like, they have a big enough sample size to me at this point where as long as you got – not to say they don't need everybody else healthy, but it's when you got two of your core guys – two core, yeah, two of your core three guys and Ja, Jaron, and Bain on the court and everybody else is pretty solid, majority of the time – History is showing you're going to be a good team. Like right? that's just what it is. Like those guys are that good. So you know, as long as Jaron and Bain are healthy, I'm not, I'm not that concerned at all. So at least the first 25 games, I won't be. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And then before we move on to Jaron, I did just want to throw out. Uh, I know we didn't talk about Gigi Jackson in the summer league thing, and I'm I'm not saying he's going to be in the rotation this year. If we're having this conversation next year, I think he's going to become a factor into it. Uh, but I did just want to go ahead and throw out there that I did like what I saw from him in the summer league. You know, he was streaky, you know, kind of had some up and downs. But in terms of a talent level, I think that when we're doing pods like this this time next year, we're going to have to have some real conversations about where Gigi Jackson can fit into the lineup. And maybe later in the year, if he goes to South Haven and he is just balling out like like he, he can he could play himself into you know maybe getting some minutes you know in the regular season, but uh, I just wanted to at least throw that out there just because I know a lot of people were really excited to watch him, and I, I thought he I thought he played well in the summer. Uh, not I don't think he's really going to be. I think he's probably like I said he's probably going to be on a two way mostly in South Haven, but there's a real chance that he is going to crack the rotation very soon. Yeah, I, I I think he played solid as well. Um, you know, we didn't talk about him obviously because again, I think he's gonna be a South Haven guy, respectfully. Just he's 18 years old. Again, let me repeat this: he's 18 years old. He does not turn 19 until December, my same birthday month as me. So he's going to be need. He needs the reps, all he can get. So I have no problem with him going to be in South Haven. South Haven. I can't talk. Them jerseys are gonna sell very well. He's gonna play well. I expect him to play well. And there's gonna be a lot of people at hustle games. I, I see it now. Just a lot of people gonna be at hustle game. And people either gonna be at the games or they're gonna watch the games. Because Gigi's going to like he's gonna have some moments and plays where you're like, dang, he's only 18, 19 doing that. So, you know, and obviously you have some plays where you're like, he 
make you remember he is 18 and 19, but that's all part of the process. So, you know, GG is pretty solid. I, that was the same way for the summer league. He had some ups and downs, but he showed what I thought he could show. Um, and I wasn't really too mad about it. Again, like he's 18, 19. Like I keep going to the age because he needs the reps. So like all this is rep and experience uh, based. So, you know, I think he's, that's all he needs. And so, you know, I think he'll have a good year, especially with the hustle. But like you said, if he balls out, he might work his way up to the rotation or to being a contract guy. Who knows? You know what I mean? But um, we'll see how it goes. Definitely, definitely. And then I did want to move on to our last segment here just because, uh, you know, it's getting that time of the year where you're starting to see some of the players post what they're doing in the offseason. And shout out to Jaron for using Chris Johnson hoops. Because I don't know who all these other dudes use as trainers. And also, Zaire's been using them, too. But I feel like he just does such a good job of, you know, you know, he, I feel like he has the best angles in terms of, like, uh, what they're doing. And he really does show you a little bit of what they're doing. And I think that he does a good job of kind of, you know, putting some runs together, too, which we'll probably see later, uh, later in the year. Because I think he posted a lot of them with Ja and Jaron and a lot of guys the last couple of years. Uh, so shout out to that. Uh, shout out to him because I think he does a great job. And when you see that the way, you know, he Jaron worked out with him, you know, some the last couple off seasons too. So, and you see how much better he's gotten on offense. So I think that's the big thing that I've noticed too, is they're working on the right stuff from, from the, from the videos we've seen, you know, uh, post counters and stuff, learning to go to the right, you know, uh, he's doing really good on like, you know, spins and stuff like that and really working on his footwork. Uh, because like I always say, Jaron is basically learning how to score now <laughs> because he talked about it on like I, we talked about it when he went on the Paul George podcast. Like he's never really been asked to be a scorer before until now, whether it was AAU, whether it was college and even his first couple years in the NBA, you know, he wasn't he's never he's never been like a main option until now. And this is one of the first times where he's really having time to, you know, get this feedback and go back and work on what, you know, all the things that he can improve on. And it's really crazy because, you know, this is about to be what year six for Jaron, but he's still so young. He still has a lot of room to grow. So I think that we're just going to continue to see some of that growth. I'm very excited to see what he looks like in FIBA after I've seen this. Just because FIBA basketball is so, you know, post-dependent interior defense, they play through the post way more overseas than they do in, in the NBA. So, uh, and I think that's something that we've seen on the Team USA teams as well. Uh, even a guy like, you know, a guy like Carmelo, even though he's not the same kind of post player that Jaron is, you know, he's more post turnarounds and stuff. They played through Carmelo for like four Olympics in a row, basically. So. I think that there's you're going to see a lot of them playing through Jaron. Uh, I think you're going to get to see a lot of these counters he's been working on. And I also think you're going to see him get better as a passer uh, out of like some double teams and stuff. Because like you said, he's never really been double teamed before because he was never, you know, like the main option on offense. So yeah, he said on the, you know, he said, he said on the uh, Paul George pod, he's like, I've never been really double before. So <laughs> he's like, I've never been double yeah. It's like it, and it's just something like you got to get used to it. Like if you if you've never been double teamed to any level, and then now you're getting double teamed in the NBA, like it's gonna take you a minute to kind of get used to that. So I think he's gonna see, and I think he's gonna see doubles in FIBA if he plays as well as I think he can. Then 
he he's gonna see some doubles, maybe some triples in FIBA. I don't know. Just because I mean, we've seen guys like Rudy Gobert and FIBA have just feasted, you know. And you know, I think that Jaron's more. I think that Jaron is more talented offensively than Gobert is overall. So I mean, if you're saying that he can dominate, like. You know, not to say that he's just some slouch or something, but I think that it's very possible that Jaron has surprises a lot of people. Nah, he's not going to surprise me, uh, but he's going to surprise a lot of people in, in the FIBA World Cup. People that, you know, only watch the Grizzlies for a couple games every year or if they're on ESPN might be a surprise by some of the stuff Jaron does in the FIBA World Cup. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to see how his training so far has helped him uh, and also, you know, see where he is at FIBA and see how much better he is even after FIBA. Cause you know, there's still going to be time between FIBA and, and the regular season. So, you know, see how much better he can even get in that time. But just based on what I've seen so far, obviously it's just like a sliver of the, all the work he's put together. Uh, I think that he's working on the right stuff just overall. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know people were going crazy about Jaron shooting mid-range jump shots, which is kind of funny. Uh, but that's never really the, the, the biggest. For me personally, it's not the, my focus because Jaron shoots a, his jumpers very low. So his percentage of shooting or getting that off against the bigger bigs is going to be kind of tough. No disrespect to Jaron. He, again, he's a solid three-point shooter. That's all I care about, really. We've seen guys with lower jump shots have success. Sean Marion, four-time All-Star. Like, it, we've seen it. It works. It, as long as you get results. I care more about what you talk about, the counters. That's what I care about because I think people, you know, watch Jaren and they'd be like, all he does is kind of go left. And then if he gets cut off going left, like he can't do anything else. And it's kind of the case, but it also isn't. It's just that he hasn't done it as much as he used to because if people go watch Jaren's rookie tape, he did a lot more countering and because J.B. Bickerstaff had him playing out the post. Like he, I mean, he took threes. That's the lowest amount of threes he took in his career. Like he only took like two, and and last year was the lowest amount of threes he's took since that year, because he now understands the balance of inside out. But it wasn't as low as two point four or just four point five. So he takes still taking like five a game. So, you know, I think he kind of has to again. I think get back to what he was doing basically his rookie year, which you saw a lot more of him using his right hand in the rookie year. And to some extent, I'm not saying he has to just go be straight right hand dominant. I think he can get to a point where. We've seen with other guys before, even a guy on our team, Zach Randolph, where Zach barely used his right hand. But you weren't stopping him going left. Like, you just weren't stopping him going left. Like, Jaron can get to that level of guy, in my opinion, to some extent. Like, you're just not going to stop him going left. Like, he's too strong, too agile. Like, so he could get to that point. Uh, but, again, I think you always need the counters just to just sharpen up your game just in case you get in that situation. And, again, a lot of this stuff, that's why I like the FIBA tournament or, like, the FIBA for him because he's getting the – actual reps to improve stuff like this, whether that's seeing doubles, whether that's him, you know, playmaking. Like I, he even said it, like you can't really improve playmaking by working on it, even though you can, but like you really need the reps, like actual game reps to work on it. And so like seeing defenses guard you a different way and you having to process it. So, you know, I think that's obviously going to be big for him, especially in the FIBA uh, tournament. I think like you said, like he's easily more talented than Rudy Gobert offensively, at least again, like, we're talking about a guy that averaged basically 19 points last year. And then for his career, he's after like, I think, 16 points a night. Yeah, 16. So it's not like we're talking about like a 25-per-game score. But when you're a defensive player of the year, usually a lot of those guys are not averaging like 
20 points a night. And usually if you are, you're one of like the top 15 players. Like you're usually like a Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid because he's made a couple defense teams. Like you're usually one of those guys. So, um, you know, um, I think I think with Jaren, you know, I'm 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 encouraged to see the counters more than the the mid range shooting. Like if he shoots mid range, cool. If he can get him off, cool. look, I'm gonna tell you, great. man. Look, 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 because I know I know you saw my tweet about the mid range jumpers too. I, I did. Know you saw it. Yeah, I, I know you saw it because look, this this is my only thing with it. I'm not saying he has to shoot it a lot, and I know, like you said, he has a low jumper. But for me, it's like I'm thinking about like if you're guarding Jaren. As soon as he puts the ball on the floor, you know he's going to the rim. Like, he doesn't do any – like, that's that would be the only thing, which is why, like, I think it just keeps the defense honest. I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a high-level mid-range jump shooter. But basically, when Jaron has the ball right now, you know he's either going to catch and shoot, uh, he's going to take a dribble, and then maybe do a step back. But once he puts the ball on the floor twice, you know he's going to the rim. And I think that's one of the reasons why people get so why he gets so many charges. And I think this goes even into like, you know, he has the foul issues. The foul issues have haven't even been coming on defense anymore. You know, I think he's fixed a lot of his foul issues defensively, but now he keeps getting put into foul trouble because of charges and stuff like that. So that's the only reason why I think like I don't think he's ever gonna be a high level mid-range shooter. But even if it keeps the defense a little bit more honest, it'll be worth it. Just because, like I said, he he, he gets charges. People, everybody knows where he's going. I think the counters will help with that too, because now at least you know people aren't going to just be sitting on the left hand as much because they know he might get there and then do a spin move and go to the right, you know, more often. So I think that's another reason why that's going to help. Uh, just because in, in the clips, he did do a lot of stuff off the dribble, too. I think that's going to be important for him. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd like to see him just because, you know, when he has taken the few mid-ranges, I I don't know what the numbers exactly are, but I, I can think of at least two or three maybe that he's taken. Uh, that Hey, they've looked okay, man. I think he's taken at least two or three of them, you know, in five or six years. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I I just think that, if if he if if he can get his shot off, if he can get the shot off, I think it could be good because I think there were times last season where if he had had that, he there, there's a chance that he would have been an even better scorer. You know what I mean? But like I said, mostly it's still mostly for him going to be catch and shoot. You know, post opportunities and drives like that's mostly what he's going to score on. I just think it'll keep the defense a little bit more honest just overall. But I do agree that the most important thing in the entire video was the post work, you know, spinning back to the right hand. Like all of that is much more important than the mid-range jump shot. Like I'll say that. But I do think that if he develops that, that could be something big for his game too. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't saying he can't take no jumpers to keep the defense honest. If he do take them, cool. I think he took one, like, I think the first game he played, like the first the Pelicans game, he took a mid-range jump shot. I don't think I saw a mid-range jumper the whole season after that. I don't think I saw one. I don't think maybe one more. But that was the one I remember. Cause he made that was one of the few shots he made that game. I think he started like I think he shot like three. Like he shot abysmal that game. But that was, you know, getting the rust off. So yeah, like if he takes those, keep the defense on, it's cool. You know what I mean? But again, I'm more so like the counters. And even like uh what they were showing, like he was going more off the of two feet which I think helps him out too because 
I like to see him get to the free throw line more. If he ain't gonna have the memory jump shot like that, I like to see him get to the free throw line more. He averages many free like a career high free throw attempts last year, four point nine, basically five a night. Usually the guys that are top of the league that are like twenty point scorers for real, they usually get like seven or maybe eight. I mean, I think in B gets the line like nine, ten times. Like those guys, like usually you gotta know how to get to the line and be able to force the refs to make a make a call. So I think that's gonna be big for him too. Uh, obviously getting his three-point shooting back up to to a certain extent. I mean, obviously he shot 36% last year, but obviously maybe a little bit more volume, not crazy volume, but the same, like just a higher percentage, I guess, from the same volume would be cool. And then obviously the playmaking, I think will get better. But, yeah, I mean, I'm ready to see him in FIBA because uh, I think some of the stuff will obviously get shown, you know, like he'll be able to show some of this in the game, uh, especially playing with Steve Kerr or under Steve Kerr where, you know, he plays kind of like a motion often like you. Like he plays like how you know they're modern bigs. Like he plays modern basketball, so I'm not really worried about him getting pigeonholed into a role. So you know I think it'll be good for him. And yeah, I mean again, I would like for him to keep defense honest. I just, I just, I don't know if he's gonna take them. He might just go. Oh well, if I can get to the rim, because a lot of his fouls, I'll say last thing, he usually has a chicken wing. What I mean by chicken wing, you might not be able to see it, but he'll throw that arm out too much. That offhand, and that's usually those offensive foul calls because he tries to extend too much instead of like kind of keeping it like he he extends it to the point where he's kind of pushing off like it's football, and then they're gonna call that. So that's really where his biggest issue comes from the foul thing. Because even though they know he's going to the rim, you could still be stronger than them and beat him to the spot, but you trying to extend is you know messing that up. So you know, I think that doing less of that also while keeping the defense on from mid range, have more counters, I think will help his offensive game. So you know, I'm excited to see him. Uh, what he does is, um, what I think it's in August. I think it was when it starts the FIBA stuff. So, yeah, I'm ready to see what he does because I think he'll be one of their best three to five players, bar at worst. Oh yeah, and I think that Steve Kerr has really talked about how he's going to be really important to the team, uh, mostly on defense, but also that's somebody who has seen, you know, what Jaron can do firsthand, you know, in the playoffs, in big moments. Uh, Obviously, you know, he had a couple he had a couple of good games in that Warrior series last year, uh, especially I think it was game five after John went out. He had a really good game. And they uh, even in, when they lost in that game six, I know he missed the last shot, but, you know, they really struggled to get stops on Jaron in that game. So I think, you know, seeing it from the other side, I think Steve Kerr is going to be able to do a lot of things to get, you know, Jaron some good looks, get Jaron some easy looks. And I think I think it's going to be good overall. I, I'm I'm happy with the roster they made. I know a lot of people have been talking about the roster. Maybe it's not as good as people were thinking, but overall, like we'll probably talk about, uh, you know, give a full FIBA preview a little bit later in the summer. You know, as we get down, uh, you know, closer to it. But like the team as a whole, I think is going to be fine. Like I don't really have any issues with it. Uh, the, the biggest names usually don't play in the FIBA World Cup anyway. So, like, that's why I was kind of surprised that people were worried about the team. And I was like, I mean, they still got all-stars on the team. They still got guys like Brandon uh, Brandon Ingram. You know, Jalen Brunson might not have made an all-star team, but that is an all-star level player. Like, we know that Jaron is an all-star level player. Uh, you know, they, they they got a lot of good guys. Like, they're, they're going to be really good. I don't really have any issues with the team. And I think Jaron is going to be good, uh, good in it overall. But – uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody that listened to this episode. Definitely a little bit of a longer episode this week, uh, but I appreciate everybody that stuck around for it. And yeah, you know, as always, me and Alex are going to be back next week here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network 
on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see y'all in the next episode.